The Christmas Scrooge and Her Sexy Mall Santa Chapter 8 Andy Nick came to get me at my sister's place really early on a Saturday. I wasn't amused with being up this early. We have to get ready before the people arrive, he explained. What people? I asked. Don't worry, he said and smiled. You'll see. That's not helping me not worry, I mumbled, but he was already walking towards the car. In the car, he switched on the radio and turned it to a radio station. Cheerful Christmas music came through the speakers and I glared at him. Turn it off. Come on, he said. It's just music. I gave him a death stare. I'm getting out of this car if you don't turn it off. He gave me a shocked look that soon turned into a defeated one. I don't understand why it's such a problem, he said while driving. It's just cheerful music. Yeah, cheerful music that sounds like cats being strangled. He laughed. I've never heard it described that way. Well, there's a first for everything, I said and stared out the window. I could sense he was staring at me when we stopped at a light. Stop staring at me, I said without looking. He chuckled then pulled away when the light was green. Soon enough we arrived at a building. I read the name and it said St. Mary's. What is this place? I asked. He undid his seatbelt and gave me a toothy smile. See for yourself, he said. I followed him inside the place. We walked down a few hallways and then got to a large hall. There were long wooden tables everywhere with benches. Other than that the hall was empty with only its checkered tiling for decoration. I followed him into a back room that I realized was a kitchen area. There were two women already in there preparing food. Hey, guys, Nick said to them cheerfully. Hi, Nick, they both said. He introduced me to them, and they gave me warm smiles. She's here to help, he said. Thank you for coming, one of the women said. I nodded in smiles even though I had no idea what was going on there. We went through the kitchen to another hallway and into another room. It was stacked with large plastic bags. What's in these? I asked and pointed to one. Supplies and donations. I raised an eyebrow. What? This is a food bank, he said. Oh. I said finally realizing what was going on. And we're, helping? Yeah, he said and nodded. The people are going to arrive in an hour so we still have time to pack more of the care packages for them. What's in the care packages? One of each of the donations and supplies in these plastic bags. Will it be enough for everyone? I asked. Most likely not, but it's a first-come first-serve I'm afraid, he said. Don't they get mad when that happens? We don't usually get any rowdy people. The people that come are just like us, good folks. So they're homeless people? I asked. Yeah, he said. Some of them have been for years, some of them just ended up on the street a few weeks ago. That's horrible. It is, he said with a somber look. We're really lucky not to be in that situation. I nodded. He cheered up again. Come on, I'll show you how to pack these, 
After an hour of packing, I was all sweaty and tired. We carried all the packages just outside the hall where a man would be guarding them until it was time to give them to the people. We entered the hall, and I saw all the people that were already there and the ones coming inside bit by bit. Their clothes were dirty or torn, and they looked like they hadn't had a bath in months. Some of them had backpacks others didn't have anything with them, some had wild-looking hair and others looked more tamed but still dirty. I noticed that there were a lot of young kids and young teenagers. I can't believe so many of them are still kids, I said to him. Yeah, the number of kids ending up on the street is insane, he said. It's more common than most of us think. But what about their parents? I asked. Either dead, abusive, or threw them out because they were gay or pregnant. That's horrible. How can someone do something like that? You get bad parents, unfortunately. He took my hand, and I gasped at the sudden touch. Come on, he said and tipped his head towards the kitchen. Let's go help the ladies. I nodded and followed him. My hand felt empty once he let go of it, but I didn't know why. The ladies showed me all the food and where the plates and cups were. I helped dish the food while Nick poured the juice for the people. I couldn't help but notice Nick talking to the people as if he knew them personally. After a while, the last person received their food before there was none left. I'm sorry, but that's all we have, one of the ladies told a man with a backpack. He nodded and walks away empty-handed. I feel so sorry for him, I said. I know, Nick said. It must be hard telling them no. It never gets easy, he said. We watched the people eat and Nick said hi to a few people and chatted with them. He stopped at the mothers and little children too, and the children seemed to love him and laugh at whatever he said to them. When he rejoined me again I asked him. This isn't your first time here, is it? He shook his head. No, I've been here a lot. How long have you been volunteering? It's probably been two years now, he said. Wow, I said. That's really good of you. He shrugged. I don't do that much. I just try to help where I can. I'm sure to them it means a lot more than to you. He smiled at me. I think you're right. Thank you, Nick, I said. He raised an eyebrow. What for? For bringing me here, I said. See, he said. There's more to Christmas than just presents and Santa Claus. To these people, Christmas is a spark of hope. I'd like to help them too. You can come whenever you want, he said. I'll come along if you want me to. I smiled at him. I'd like that. We looked at each other for what felt like an eternity until I broke eye contact. He cleared his throat. Let me introduce you to a few people. Okay, I said and followed him, rubbing my arms from the sudden shivers.